Hello everyone. This is your host Monica Singh from podcast Take the Power Back. And today's guest is Tulsi Vakjiani. She's London-based amazing entrepreneur and motivational speaker and survivor of many kind. Her story is something I'm not going to share initially because I want you to hear from her. But let's welcome Tulsi. Hi Tulsi. Welcome Hi. on the show. Hi Monica, what an introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, oh absolutely. Like my the way my journey started. Obviously when I was at that age, you know, which will go on to at the age of 10, obviously I didn't know what an old soul means or and but absolutely like a lot of things that I've been through up until this point. It's like people I know in the 70s and 80s are just understanding that level of wisdom and I've really had that you know but you know I'm grateful I'm like really really grateful uh, like when you went to your high school and and then the college and all those life experience you found yourself more mature than the people around you at the same age and do you feel like little weird about that yeah definitely because um was a good thing because obviously no one around yes. me had that so I did feel a little bit different but um yeah I saw a lot of I had a lot of maturity where but in a way in a hindsight it stopped me from having youthful experiences as well because I was so mature you know um that's why now you know I endeavor to have more fun now like things I missed out being a teenager I do those things now like I I'm not taking life so seriously now, you know. Now I get to have all the fun now. Like I've done all the hard work. And now I get to have the fun, you know. So um it's it's not too late. It's never too late. And I'm enjoying my inner child, you know, free spirit now. That's amazing. I mean, I think we have stirred up the uh, the questions and the anxiety of the listeners uh about your experience. Would you mind sharing a little bit with us? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean yeah we don't want to tease the listeners anymore but um yeah so my journey started at the age of uh 10 so prior to the age of 10 I had a really great childhood very fortunate you know I've grown up in London in the UK yeah. so of course with that in mind we were like okay fine we'll go I remember uh, fighting with my brother on the um, on the plane and uh, he got the window seat I was really annoyed because oh God, in yeah. London we have green fields but we don't have blue skies we're never fortunate enough <laughs> to have a lot of sun so um it was a beautiful view and it's from a fighting and then the next voice i hear is my grandmother's voice who i left back here in the uk and she's talking to me and i was a bit like what's she doing here yeah. and she said to me you know dorsey uh you've been involved in a plane crash so i'm like asking her where's mom dad you know where's gomlesh that's my brother and then that's when i mean she was crying so for anyone who would know my grandmother of that time and generation is you know women didn't cry they were very they were shown to be very stern and iron like almost and you know so the fact that she was crying was very unusual so Jeez. where she told me that this has happened but in my head all i'm thinking is she's come on the plane to surprise us and join us on this holiday so in and out of sedation obviously like I'm not comprehending the information. Yeah. And my eyes are bandaged and I'm on life support machine at the moment at that present moment. And oh um yes, yeah, so she's crying she's telling me that it doesn't register and then I next hear a young medic's voice who's pretty much telling me the same kind of information but he was like don't worry Tulsi I'm going to look after you it's okay like you know almost like telling a child don't worry you're fine I've got you but to me that could have been the air steward for all i know you know it didn't make sense who this guy was um between the time of my accident happening to now being flown back to the uk to have all my treatments um i'm gre- i have no idea how many days are in between that i think it's about 2 or 3 days max uh-huh. so i'm flown back to the uk and i'm greeted by well i'm met by my other family members you know aunties uncles and cousins And again it's the same kind of information that my grandma told me like you know you've been involved in a plane crash mom dad and gomlesh are no more um you look different um, but don't worry i think it's going to be fine to me that didn't mean anything because as far as i know i'm still on the plane 
Yeah. And I'm still fighting with my brother and I've heard my grandmother's voice so in my head she's in the plane. Now now it felt like all my cousins and aunties were on the plane so it's almost like they surprised us but what I wasn't registering was the information they were telling me. Um so yeah so like I said a few days have passed in between now I'm back in in the UK uh, at the Burns unit in Essex uh, so not far from where I am and it you know you know when it's anything to do with burns you know it's like it's in and out of surgery lots of skin grafts and you know smoke inhalation all of these different things yes, going on of course, of course. so i was pretty much in and out so i don't really remember all the little bits in between because most of the time i was in and out of theater and then it's about 4 to 6 weeks after the whole you know accident and me coming to the uk where the opportunity comes where i can remove the bandages from my eyes now so i was really keen to see myself because everyone talks about me looking different but what does that really mean you know because exactly yeah to a 10 year old looking different could be you know i've had my hair cut or i've got a yeah. different outfit or i've grown okay. tall but that's it so uh, i was really keen and i think you know the nurse and the doctors were a little bit like i don't think she really understands the gravity of the gravity of Yeah so the, you know they removed the bandage check my eyes they were all fine and then um literally the you know moment came where the like holding the mirror up but I was so excited because internally I still felt like the Dulcie from before where boisterous loud you know jovial the one who's always laughing about you know joking and all of those things so I was still that person but when I held that mirror up it was like from i think for me that's when life changed because when i looked at myself in the mirror i literally thought somebody drew that face on because that's yeah, like not me like a prank or something yeah because exactly it, in that. mentally you don't uh, you know the, that's that's one thing i want to uh, say it in between what when you're talking is uh, our mental uh, power is the most the greatest power of all because how you feel in your brain that's how you project right no matter how mm-hmm. your physical appearance is so being a 10 year old you uh, no matter what people are telling you but then since we like nobody aware the definition of these things like you know like how you, how the scar is going to look like what is the plane crash or what is the physical mm-hmm. deformity or anything but in mentally we are okay that means we are okay but then our body is speaking something else but mentally we are fine so that is that is one of the power i feel like uh, as a being a child you had that moment because you were not ready to accept that but the moment Absolutely. came when the mirror came okay Yeah and then um, I looked at myself and like you know I, I thought somebody drew that face on but when that person in the mirror was moving their eyes and their mouth it's when it, I realized that's me and then I looked down at my left hand at the time there was like metal rods sticking out the fingers because they were straightening them and um the scars were red raw and those bandages so of course in that split moment I thought okay something has happened Yeah. But even now whether I was naive or optimistic or whatever you want to call it yeah. I literally thought in a year's time there's going to be this magic cloth these yeah. scars are going to go away so this is not a big deal is kind of what I saw it as and then you know again when I'm in when I'm in hospital you know, everyone's going to treat me as thorsy because they don't know different plus they see people with burns all the time so to them it's no different you know they don't treat it yeah. any different so yeah i was in a really safe safe environment in the hospital it's safe as in no one no one judged me no one made me feel different okay i look different but that's it they treated me as me so you know left hospital being discharged back in back into the real world so to speak and it's there that now i notice how different i really am because it's now in this moments where people are staring calling me names crossing the road in case they catch something or throwing things at me to see if i have emotions oh my god you know these are just some of the examples of the bullying that wow. sort of started and being 10 and being subjected to that soon became my norm you know and 
uh, I don't know if you're really familiar with this, but it's like having a visible difference. In my case, a burn. It's almost like the world telling you, well, accept the name calling and accept this because that's part and parcel of having a visible difference. You know, because it suddenly became. Anyone around me, we just oh, just he just get on with this, okay? You know, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they are ex- making you to accept it more than something else. It's like uh, you have to deal with it now. It's like exactly because uh, you've got this, you have to deal with it because they don't know what else to do with it. Now, obviously, growing up, then that's what I thought what I should accept, even though it never felt right. Yeah, I didn't know how to question it. So yeah, so that's that all stemmed. I was in and out of hospital a lot, you know, skin grafts, outpatients, physio. It was just ongoing. I missed quite a lot of school, but my school again was a safe space. The best of friends felt so safe, so so good. Everyone, you know, made me feel inclusive. I had no form of bullying in school. Wow, but that's the, that's unusual, by the way. Otherwise, like bullying start from the school, right? Completely. That's what and I heard. No, it does, wow. you know, because everyone's got their own insecurities and stuff, and you know, we're all projecting onto each other and all of these things. But I was yeah. so fortunate. I mean, they're still my friends now, so you know that shows you just the level of maturity even they had at that time. And it's something that I'm, you know, acknowledging for them as well, saying, look, to be able to deal with somebody who looks different, very different, not just slightly, very different. Slightly, yes. But yes. they they accepted me for me. They never saw Tulsi the one with burns. They never saw Tulsi the one that you pity on. They saw Tulsi that you just include in everything that you would do anyway. That's And amazing! Wow, really I is. love that. Right? Oh my, uh, my God! I mean, so, usually normal girls get bullied for something else. You know what I mean? But then, yeah. and then teenage, um, like especially now, teenagers and everything is. Are we? We are. We grew up in a time where. everything is um not acceptable and then and and then you know like the beauty physical beauty was the primary thing we grew up we have to be beautiful when we grew up otherwise life is going to be hard and yeah. that's what people tell you because of how they project beauty through commercials through magazines or everything because i think every t- every young girl wants to be one of those girls who comes in a magazine for being mm-hmm. beautiful and pretty but uh i'm glad you had a good uh school experience at least that that is really good yeah no for sure i was really fortunate so yeah so school was great you know and then i've left school gone to college and again now college is a different experience but i had great friends too because they just accepted me for me but i felt different because now you know exploring like dating and everything had started more yeah. so I was the ugly person not that they made me feel like that that's how I felt but because sometimes you feel words, it that yeah 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 of because those words I I what I internalized because around me that's what I was called you know fat ugly all of these things were words so I internalized them and believed that's what I was so yeah these friends made me feel good but I didn't so when they were dating and no guys would look at me again or just wouldn't even look at me is when i started to hate myself more now again you know growing up in a south asian community is yeah. very difficult because everything is based on looks and image and our first yeah. point of uh, comparison is bollywood you know whatever it was at the time but the fact is even those actresses don't look like the films that they're in because that's makeup that's you know airbrushing it's all of these things it's not yeah. reality but yeah. we were under so much pressure to look a certain way that yeah. we've been fighting against all of these things to look just to look ourselves to be ourselves and yeah. so you know these were hard times for me growing up in a south asian community but living in an integrative community with different cultures it's been difficult but you know that's just the primary stage of my journey you know like up to the age of 16 17 18 i've had the opportunity at that time to work abroad so i initially went to college to do hotel and tourism because wow. the thought of traveling has always been within me i just love it you know it's never put okay. me off my accident never put me off traveling 
Yeah, so I went into hotel and tourism, so I went to college. Um, was work, um, sorry, I mean, I went on work experience after college and it was a great experience, you know, I had a lovely time. I went to Guernsey, so it's like a little island, um, it's a channel island and amazing experience, you know, again, never made to feel different or think, you know, like, or people stared at me, they talked to me as normal. So it was a great time, but I still always felt different because again, the peers I met on this hotel experience, you know, again, they were out dating and doing all these, what I say is normal things for teenagers and 20s, early 20s is normal, going out, clubbing, uh-huh. dating, all of these things. I just couldn't experience that because again, no guy was looking at me twice, you know, yes. and it, it was almost like I was the ugly token and it was, that's how I felt. So in that time, my depression had started but it it wasn't so obvious then it's when I flew back to back to London from Guernsey and you know real life is starting again it's literally now it's those feeling low and the depression was now taking shape in respect that I was overeating so for me eating was my way of dealing with this you know I'd done alcohol yeah. I'd done drugs but none of them really nothing really Helping happened you. with it it didn't help me so I was like no I'm not going to keep feeding this poison into me but obviously I was feeding poison in a different way but it was with food this time um, and we don't notice the food poisoning as much as we do alcohol and drugs because you know we've all been taught alcohol and drugs are bad for you we've never been taught food is bad for us right like yeah, it's not yeah. something um, so obviously yes there's not great food and yes there's lovely food healthy and unhealthy but that time it didn't matter to me I was whatever I could eat I was of course my you're weight feeling your, you were eating your emotions whatever you completely. were feeling that will food became your coping mechanism which is well yeah. at the time it did in respect because it just meant but uh, on one hand I was being called fat like especially from the community because again you know oh. we had to be this really tiny slim thing because Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, in our South Asian culture, we know what it's like. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so I wasn't. So obviously, weight's piling on. I'm not feeling good. Externally, I'm smiling through life. Internally, I just feel nothing. And, you know, by that stage now, uh, it's almost, what, three years into my depression, uh, my average dress size here in the UK, because I know in the States is very different. Um, here in the UK, I was an average 14 and in then in the three years of the height of my depression my dress side got up to 22 24 so you know it pretty much doubled really yeah no, it was just it was just that was my measurement because I'm a really small girl as in I don't have height you know so okay okay I get it's not that, just about the saying. size you know the whole idea yeah. is it's the health as well so yeah you know um anyway so yeah i'd gone up to that size a good friend from college so reworded the whole thing very differently she said look i'm really worried about you i said no 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 i'm fine she goes no i'm just beginning to worry that you know your health is getting like there's issues going on with your health this is not good i'm not saying you're big and I'm not saying anything like that. It's just, I can see this has taken a toll on you. How can I help you? That is completely different to everyone telling me, you're fat, you need to do something. Yeah. So you see, there's different ways of doing this. Exactly. Um, the wordings is different and that makes a lot of difference. I get that, yes. Definitely. Absolutely. It's compassion is everything. Helping someone with the right guidance is everything. Um, so yes, yeah, she did. Um, you know, and me and my auntie at the time joined the gym and just to do something, you know, and I really enjoyed it. I, I like started to feel really good. Um, and then I met my Pilates instructor there and she she helped me a lot in my journey. So my body shape was changing. My confidence was getting a little bit better. And that's not because the weight was dropping. It's just because I was feeling good. So of course the weight was dropping slowly then in that time i had a relation i went in a relationship so it was like i put everything into it like this was my all 
Yeah, and yeah. Because suddenly somebody saw interest in me. And Now, somebody saw was, you beyond uh, what people see, which is yeah, beautiful. Okay. Which felt like that at the time. Yeah. So again, I put my all into it. <clears throat> and then what happened was it, I put more into it than this person did. And that's completely fine too because again, I was so gripped by the fact that somebody's willing to accept me. And yeah. I know a lot of people in the um you know visible difference community have have felt this somewhere along the line where when someone pays them attention it means so much but now what it also means is you know some people don't know how to handle that so they might leave the relationship because they don't know what to do it's too much you know so to yeah. be with someone like me you need to have a sense of maturity otherwise of course we're not going to work because now obviously I'm in a different place but at that time when I was with that partner Like I said I really I did suffocate the the relationship. Anyway, it broke up. I was so devastated that I literally almost felt like I just couldn't cope. Literally heartbroken. And then in that time a degree came up in um complementary therapy specializing in pilates and therapeutic massage. So these are areas of my interest as well now and I was like right, I'm going to do this degree um it's going to be great so i did and i got really engrossed in it brilliant feeling really good and then in the midst of doing my degree life was about to change again in a drastic way okay so yeah so now it's like okay so up until from my accident to this stage you know 16 years relatively normal and i mean that relatively normal like no other health implications just going along with life then in the midst of doing my degree not feeling well uh got to my gp so they had high blood pressure but someone at 26 was very high went um you know obviously sent me for blood test came back showed had high creatinine level and he's like okay look he goes i don't want to alarm you it could be just an acute thing like an infection or something we don't know he he gravely knew like this doesn't look good but he didn't want to put that on me. Uh-huh. He sent me to the A&E department, you know, emergency department. Um here in the UK emergency department and you know we're talking about 13 14 years ago, your waiting time would have been averagely 2 to 3 hours to be seen. Oh. Wow, okay. Uh, but I was seen within 20 minutes. I was admitted onto the ward within within the hour. Oh, it is it was that serious. That serious. Wow. Oh I didn't my even God. know. Okay. You didn't feel anything in your body that no. why? Oh wow. My mind focus was I just want to be in my lecture theater because I'm missing out on my favorite subjects and what am I doing here because to me it didn't feel like this was a big thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, so anyway, um I got admitted. They did a biopsy of my kidneys. and it turned out i had end stage renal failure at that point uh how did this happen when i'm doing my degree i've only had my burns i've been i've never been ill as in i've never needed to go to doctors to be you know have had any infections or things uh, apart from a a cold here and there you know which is yeah like regular seasonal. problems basically yeah yeah um yeah. so yeah nothing like that and then yeah so to be told I had end stage renal failure All I heard when he when my consultant said this was you are dying that's what I heard he never said that all he said was you know you've got this but there are options like dialysis transplant but I didn't hear that I just heard you are dying because in my head end stage meant this is it however we're going to monitor you you're okay you're in good hands like we said there's options of dialysis transplant we'll book you in and we'll start talking about it To me in my head dialysis meant old people you know it didn't mean someone young yes i know i know what you uh, mean obviously at that age you know it was just of course no 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 you are right because when you hear dialysis that means yeah it's a serious heart disease or some other disease which usually come after a certain age you know yeah. so which so is so i knew dialysis yeah. connected with kidney failure but just the thought of like being stuck on a machine it was almost like Isn't that what happens to old people? Of course that's just you know my naive thinking. That's not we know that's not real life. Yeah, of course, of course but, it's um, not. Yeah. But um yes, yeah, so that's what happened. Anyway, I went back, went home, 
I was I was on blood pressure uh, medicine at the time and you know started to feel okay okay meaning like at least the BP is now a little bit under control and then within the four months of being diagnosed my kidneys did fail they were at six percent now and so I had to go on dialysis so again now I had to start training to be on dialysis how to use the machine I had the machine for home so it meant I could lead a relatively normal life as in I dialyze at night come off the machine in the morning and I can do about my day-to-day activity plug myself in in the evening and go to sleep so I'm in the middle um, of doing my degree um, wow okay so they kind of taught you like this is going to be your life from now which, onwards kind yeah. of a thing oh my, yeah okay I mean, yeah um, <laughs> which like you know like obviously it's a huge like I said I you know things were changing in a big way it wasn't just you know here you go take a few tablets and life goes on it's a big change so life was going to change in a dramatic way i.e a new form of identity again so my burns are like now on the back burner so to speak and it's now my focus is literally survival for health of course physical health and now so yeah plug myself in the machine I'd have my laptop and my books and everything on the bed do my essays obviously sometimes I'll go sleep you know good time otherwise I'll be doing essays all night I'll come off the machine and then in the morning have my shower you know have my meds and then go to uni and that it was fine it worked you know it was manageable um so I deferred my like one of my modules so that my degree became part-time just so it's manageable and then I finished my degree 2008 and November I graduated and then just I was just soon after the graduation I started to renovate my house and in the midst of that so now January 2009 13 years ago get a phone call to say hey Miss Rajani and um, this is Dr Blah Blah you know Royal London Hospital we have a kidney for you at which point at 11 o'clock at night I'm not going to take that phone call seriously because we were yeah. 11 o'clock at night you know telling you that yeah yeah it's a, a home phone as well so yeah they they you know they called me and I said oh okay well I've got you know meeting with the builders and architects tomorrow when can I let you know so thinking this is not even serious Uh-huh. And he said you do realize this is a near perfect match you've waited 3 years for this you know you've got 5 minutes to decide because otherwise this is going to someone who needs it some yeah someone else on the list okay because i didn't realize the severity of this i think that's just me in life i never i don't put big deal on anything so it's just yeah okay whatever and anyway i did say okay fine i'll come in but i thought I'll delay my meeting with the builders and architects for a few days and um, yeah. have this operation and come home. You know like almost so Yeah, like resume like, your life normally again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like it's nothing. And yeah, anyway, I had my transplant. Everything was great. Like the kidney took to me straight away. It was brilliant. And I was able to leave the hospital about four four days. I think they were shocked because they go you just look at you didn't really well and You know, of course I had pain and things, but that's just surgery. However, that pain wasn't surgery pain. It was my body basically the immunosuppressant, so the medication to, you know, to suppress the immune system so the kidney doesn't reject. Some of them were reacting to me, so I actually was allergic to it. But it was hard to to find that because obviously everyone's trying to find a happy balance. with the medication everyone's going everyone's dose is going to be very different yes, so I'm going to react yes. to this and that so it's all trial and error but um anyway so that was going on the pain that was happening was my body was now collecting urea in the body so I wasn't passing urine as normal it was okay. collecting in my body okay it wasn't filtering it wasn't functioning the way it's supposed to be well there was a cyst in the new kidney so it was oh leaking oh my god okay anyway so then two weeks after my transplant they had to open me up again and they had to take the kidney out they had to clean the kidneys um seal the cyst they had to reposition my bladder and quite a few other things and that surgery was about uh, 12 uh, 10 to 12 hours my transplant was only 3 hours so you can see the severity what the other operation was they managed to do everything it was fine you know 
they used my old urethra not the new ones everything was all connecting um passing urine as i should have done except now when i've come out of the recovery i can't feel my right leg so after all of that it's like i can't feel my right leg so now it's a bit like oh gosh what what now you know i know enough man enough already yes right so then they of course they looked quite grave because they don't know if i'm going to recover from this or not because they can't they can't just say okay look a few days and we'll be fine so i demanded that i'm not going to leave this hospital unless i'm walking out however long that takes and they could see like i was determined and so they assigned me a physiotherapy uh, therapist around the clock i was rehabbing around the clock with the pain with the mindset that i'm walking out because i live with my grandparents at the time you know i don't want to burden them with them pushing me me in a wheelchair it yes. just wasn't an option it's yeah. not because i'm there to look after them and it's none of that but it's just i just didn't want to be a burden on no one and you know anyway so it took me what 3 weeks it took me 3 weeks for me to be in full function uh i still don't have the best of mobility on that leg uh as in i'm walking uh but it causes a lot of problems but I, look i'm grateful that i can i can walk you know uh but that determination to rehab was so important and i've never been that dedicated to rehabilitation as i was then um yes i walked out then i was in and out of hospital in and out i literally lived in that hospital more than i did at home um to the point it was almost became a joke like you know the queen going to a royal residency because um <laughs> I literally had my own room in the end, you know. So yeah, it's like we have to find a humor in middle of this uh, this chaos, chaotic lives. Otherwise, how are you gonna survive? Because I mean, I I really want to point it out here because a lot of people think like uh, after a certain experience we lose our humor or we are not life like you know we can't make fun or joke. But I think. Mm-hmm. after certain experience we are the most hilarious person of all time <laughs> that's yeah. what happened yeah it happens yeah. you have to find funny moments and yeah, um, so yeah so then um in and out in and out uh just no one knew what was going on you know in the medicine when you when you get medicine you get the medicine leaflet about side effects and you know one in 10 and one in 100 so my case almost became one in 200,000 where they just couldn't work out what was going on why is she coming back in what is going on uh-huh. you know it, and it was because one of the immunosuppressants that I was on was affecting me so badly that at one point I didn't even have much white blood cells and they literally thought how how are you still standing I was like I don't know I'm still here I didn't feel any different I just put it down to exhaustion because of medication uh-huh. but they were literally baffled how I was standing miracle with literally yeah. next to no white blood cells they quickly rushed me into this private room uh they started to put all their mask and you know protective gear on in case I catch anything and I had my last rites read I had my last rites read I couldn't even tell my family that I could be dying I I couldn't I didn't know how to. Yeah. Enough but, already they have heard and listened so you wanted to keep it. But you, but, but you are a positive person. You know you're going to make it. You know that's something I think you had it in use from the very beginning. And uh, the way you have taken all these experience lightly is explains a lot about the personality uh, of yours and then one should always win. I mean god forbid nobody should experience what you have experience or i have experience is just like that's the way it is and you know and it just speaks volume yeah i i think for me because i didn't feel ill yeah it, to me it didn't mean anything i mean of course i didn't look great if that makes sense you know i did, didn't look well but internally i didn't know what the big deal was right i think that's what it was um 
but yeah so they you know again this was a time it was a waiting game i couldn't have no visitors uh, it was difficult to explain to my family why they couldn't come and see me inside the room they drop things off from the outside you know a little bit like how covid is literally you know uh-huh. like very drop things off don't come in you know, all of these things and um i couldn't explain to them what was going on i was like yeah i'm fine don't worry i'm it's okay just going through some test but not having to be able to tell them i've had my last rites read and again the doctors not knowing which way this was going but obviously soon, what's going to uh, happen why the white blood cells start to start rising and start to get more color back into my face and uh, i started to feel better so i guess obviously i now understood what it meant not to feel good because i didn't know the difference uh-huh. and anyway yeah and then i came out of hospital and so anyway since then i didn't have much admission i did have two admissions every year after that for the first 5 years because uh, i had a lot of infections so now my body is recovering from all of those infections now and i think that's the bit no one talks about is how long these recoveries are i just thought okay well now the infections are done let's get on with life and move on but it's not that the body will take time you know i, I was on no antibiotics yeah, uh, long term so uh-huh. it wasn't just a you know 7 day course and off you go it was i was on it 24/7 so for 5 years that's a long time on the body yeah yes uh, so you know the 7 day course takes it out of us so how imagine what these would do so i couldn't be, i i didn't know how to be kind to myself but anyway in that time different things have happened you know different experiences happened i broke my leg in that time so life really made me pause and slow down and in that time i met the kt piper foundation so kt for those who might not know or or may know is you know she's yeah. an amazing burn survivor uh-huh. uh her story is fantastic if though if you have if you don't know much about it please do read up about her but i came across her charity and this is the first time where i've met burn survivors as adults and suddenly i'm not alone what a great feeling um because obviously like having burns i'm not saying no one suffers it you know but it's like walking down the street you're you're not going to see 20 people people who look like you exactly you know, that, yeah, that's the reality course. yes that uh, is the truth yeah so i'm not going to meet someone in my supermarket go hey how did you get your burns oh my god yes we're a community that's not how this works <laughs> you, you know so, this a serious thing in such a light way <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> you know, unless we're in a a situation like a peer group support or something that's the only time so therefore i was felt alone so you know where I, now here i am i've met the charity we've had these amazing opportunities like pamper days and social events suddenly i am more than my scars and that's when my confidence changed on a whole different level wow. so my health is now stabilizing i'm suddenly life isn't just about my kidneys anymore and life isn't also about my burns anymore life is about finding out who is Tulsi what is she what is she made of and wow who, like what is her capacity yeah. now this is from the courage of somebody like Katie putting herself out there in the media because yeah. again you know Monica again me and you we've not got a role model on tv that goes oh, wow somebody looks so cute we didn't have yeah. none of us had had that now we're getting it slowly by us putting ourselves out there yes yeah, exactly i mean before that i had no idea what was acid attack was uh, to right. be very honest because my trauma lasted more than 2 to 3 years to accept that this this is also happened because as a lot of people don't know usually in india or any other part of the world mother kind of a teaches their daughters like okay don't go to the dark alley the rapes happen and then mm-hmm. some in some culture like people get burned because of the like inadequate dowry system that's the story we used to hear in those days so we never said like oh you have to be prepared for that we just know that we have to be safe and mm-hmm. uh, nobody told us there was an acid attack or something like that so for me i took literally 2 2 and 3 years to mm. to understand what is this 
whole thing and then people mm-hmm. do such crimes actually yeah and it's you know it's any situation like this is debilitating initially you know and people don't realize the severity of this and you know look mine and yours is different in the respect mine was accident yours was yeah. a deliberate attack okay now yes. what people don't understand is when you have a deliberate attack this isn't just the physical this is so emotional you're fearing your safety you're fearing a lot of things my fear of safety is very different to yours yeah. okay we can call it fear and safety yeah. but very different you might be watching over your shoulders for a long time or might not leave the house for some reason what if there's so many different things yeah. yeah and the trauma of it being deliberate is far great and no one talks about that and this is a bit that needs to be addressed and needs to de- talk about you know um mine in an accident format is different as well again yes our burns can look similar but yes. the stories are very different and that's something you know we do need to highlight and we do need to show taking someone's life in that way in a deliberate attack is absolutely cowardly and malice and there's no room for for empathy in any of that like for the for the perpetrator anything there's no excuse you know the conversation isn't just about the physical that I'm not saying it's the least of our worries I'm far from yeah. it I'm not going to you know downplay it. but what I'm the rehabilitation post accident post trauma post post attack it's long term this is something goes with this is look i'm now 32 years on from my accident there are still things that affect me now on the physical level okay or mm-hmm. even on the emotional level so this is lifelong this isn't okay they've had a bit of surgery out into the main world of the ghost so again inspirational people out there who are putting themselves out there like me ie you know on the media on the tv i am open to these trolls who ridicule people for looking different but i do it for my 10 year old self who didn't have anyone this is a courage i got that it's okay to be us it's okay to accept the way we look because this is our life now and it's okay to find beauty in the way we look and that's where we are now like that's where i am now uh, so you are also part of this another organization i guess right that Ch- changing faces so changing faces changing. is a leading uk charity helping people with a visible difference so that covers people with a mark birthmark scars skin conditions it's, you know it's a big big spectrum um amazing you know i do i get to do the most amazing campaign work and i'm campaigning for people who have a visible difference but you know haven't had the fair opportunities in life so you know lots of amazing campaigns so for, you know for those who get a chance to read up about it do check them out you know changing faces uk campaigns that are done uh, the most famous one that i've done recently was i'm not your villain so it's campaigning for better representation in movies and tvs that why yeah, i read that the visible difference be a love interest be a heroine why does it always have to be a villainous character that's not to say we are saying get rid of all the villains with the visible difference no of course stop using like poor script writing change the narrative make come on let's be more inclusive now let's think about these things more to tell our me. listeners about your collaboration with the watch met ceo of the company hagley west mm-hmm. and um it's a new like new watch brand company uh so he contacted me i think early last year and he said look we're launching a women's range but i just don't want it to just be a women's range because i want it to have a story attached to it like because his concept is um in hashtag is love your journey so that's the whole idea of eight inspirational women to do this photo shoot you know video campaign and then to have everyone's story individually told but he wanted to use everyday women not women that are out there in the tv and media and got you know gazillion and just meeting each other and just celebrating each other and you know really cheering each other on that's what this is about this is what you know evolved women are about where we're not 
we're just supporting each other we're just like yeah you go for it and showing yeah. each other's journey and that's what tim has always wanted to do is just celebrate people's journey and in this case in the women's range inspiring women and yeah we did this shoot as we finished we felt like a great so you know tim did tell us he was going to gift us the watch that was and um then as we were finishing and he says just to let you guys uh, ladies know that um each of your watches will be named after you <gasps> which we were just like what oh what i was <laughs> on the art yeah so oh yeah God, like, that... wow so everyone's got their own name attached to the watch so when they oh did God, um when it's amazing. on the website now you'll see mm-hmm. the Dulce watch um there's a, a, an amazing woman you know called Linda there's Sarah there's Nikila um there's Nicola so these are just the ones that I worked with and then there's three other women um you can read a bit about our story on their um YouTube channel and their right. website and things so yeah like it's out there and that's how I got involved and it's just such an amazing feeling to have that but what's amazing about it is again you know this is the amazing spirit of Tim is 5% of the women's watch range is going to a charity cause of our choice so that's okay. amazing going like that forward meaningful thing, you know? collaboration and Completely. truly there yeah yeah so you know i've chosen mine they've all chosen theirs and that's what's nice is it's going to be ongoing you know it's not just a one hit wonder so every 6 months we'll get like an email this is how much has been sent to your charity for how just beautiful it all and it just feels so organic so natural so compassionate and this is how we're going to change the world in the respect world, one by slowly, one slowly. you know yes yes did you really wanted to study fashion and then you just no, i've never been into it? the fashion no no i've never been into the fashion industry um i started off in hotel and tourism it was okay. in the tourism industry where um i applied for a job to be front of house in the hotel uh, because uh-huh. i like working with people i like people rapport and uh i got a letter back saying um dear miss rajani unfortunately um you didn't get the job your face does not fit, fit the company uh blah 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 and i didn't really i saw that obviously rejection but i didn't read your face doesn't fit the company uh-huh it literally meant you know we cannot have someone who looks like you in the front of house so already you know this that seed was already planted that Tulsi because of your face you're not going to get these type of jobs. Then Oxford Street was just one of those um Oxford Street obviously is a, you know where all the main retail shops and that are it's where you go for your Saturday jobs. So that's why I was applying nothing to do with. But now different you know very different because the campaign work I do yes I am I'm very much about you know uh, fashion and beauty industry having better representation having women and men Mm-hmm. looking at looking themselves not looking any different and why can't someone with burns who's 5 foot 1 be on a catwalk why not exactly why not you that's know that's the thing point. right so that's why i campaign um i have obviously i'm in a very different place now i'm confident i own my version of beautiful i'm not yours i'm not anyone else's i'm mine i have no measure on yeah. anyone else and And this is a, another thing we need to give every individual person is you are beautifully you. You are not beautiful to anyone else. And until we don't accept our own version of beautiful, we'll always keep chasing and chasing and chasing until it's tiring. It's tiring chasing looking like someone else. That's right. You know? And that's where I am now. So yes, I love the fashion industry. I love all of it. There is there is lots of change happening. Come I mean, you know, you know yes. we can't deny that. We can't. Yes, yes. We just need more change and more inclusivity across the spectrum. Vis- having a visible difference. If you get it right for someone with a visible difference, you get it right for everybody basically. And that's the the bottom line here, you know. So I think but, we have came very far uh, from 
like from from 20 years ago definitely but i think yes we still have to go beyond because now what i also see uh, one more thing i feel like uh, now the stories and the deformities became a part of the campaign but not otherwise you know it's like um, uh, so uh, basically you are still you can be part of it but then it's going to be very exclusive way and uh, um, uh, different size of body and shapes has been accepted now they are doing runways and everything but then do you see that change as well with the people with the deformity you know do you feel tired of being put yet still in a different box than the normal person do you feel yeah, that it's happening of course we know that's there um the bottom line is i'm not a token prize anymore you know i i don't need to be part of an exclusive campaign with people who who look a certain way right i want to yeah. be i want to be inclusive in in an everyday campaign not yeah oh just a special campaign with people with burns you know i want yeah. to be in a campaign where i'm with all walks of life because i'm chosen because it's me not because i've got burns you know and it's happening but yeah. the more we talk about it and the more like i you know i will refuse a campaign now if it just means i'm only modeling because i've got burns no i'm not going to be part of it um i'm going to be part of something that makes me be inclusive with other people um so if i start making those changes then bit by bit around me i know certain changes will start to take place um we just need to have these uncomfortable conversations i think that's the key thing um and it's that's happening amazing. it's happening no it yeah. is happening i agree with this happening and then uh i must say that the way you have carried your life the way you have uh, shown the different stages of your life in this episode i think our listeners going to learn uh, how to deal with their situation and deal with all those in our life uh, when we are walking on the road or a lane or a street or avenues uh, people teaches us more than what we learn in school university mm-hmm. or by our parents mm-hmm. so life has been a good teacher for tulsi and life has been a good teacher for all of us percentage of positivity from this episode that's what i can say life is too short to not to live that's what mm-hmm. i can say that so live as much as you want and your mental health your mental beauty is the most important beauty in the mm-hmm. world right now physical appearance changes every stage every after after 10 years our body change our faces change anyways so the, if something which is so changing all the time you should not be hold on to that too much instead of living your beautiful mental uh, life as more important so i agree I'm sending lots of love to all the listeners and um yeah please find your own version of beautiful the courage to just shine from within and uh, just know we all have it so yeah lots of love <laughs> bye guys mm-hmm.